Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. All right, I know you are still standing. We would all sit in a moment, um, but I'm excited because we are starting a new teaching series today. And um, Hogan's that help me thank the team. Thank you so much, guys. Um, so we're starting a series we call Work Life Into Balance. And I'll tell you why, um, and this matters a lot to me. You know, every time we gather Sunday morning, um, we come around, we have church, then the building online and all of that. But service is over, then we go. We go into a real week. We go into Monday to Friday. We go into the realities, whatever that is for you of figuring out a week. And um, I really think that God is as much concerned about everything that happens outside this building as he is about even our worship in this building. Because if you think about it, we spend most of our lives outside here, you know, except church staff, right? So um, God is as much concerned about what happens outside as he is. And when I say God is concerned about what happens outside, it's not just in the things like, you know, don't fornicate, don't. But I also think about what we do, our energy, our work, our effort, and all of that. And so um, the Bible does talk a lot about work. The Bible does talk a lot about, you know, um, how to work, what to do, how to earn, um, how not to earn, and, you know, um, when you feel like you're being cheated at work, what should happen, um, figuring out, you know, schooling, whatever season and space of life it is for you. And so that's really what we want to dig in on this series. We're going to do it in three parts. Um, today, I'm going to start out with a simple thought to lay a foundation that we're going to call, Why Does God Care About Work? Why Does God Care About Work? Next week, um, I'm going to, to, to speak to you on what to do when work is not working. Uh, then um, on the third week, we're going to do um, how, to, how the Holy Spirit helps you in your 9 to 5. Um, so I'm excited about that. How the Holy Spirit helps you in your 9 to 5. That's like uh, generally bad on thing. But if you live in Lagos, it's like how the Holy Spirit helps you in your 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. Something like that, right? Um, I was telling them first, Abelkuta is like how the Holy Spirit helps you in your 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. or something, you know. <laughs> Um, you can figure out wherever you live in the world, okay? All right, so look at somebody around you and tell them God is going to speak to you today and then you can, you can be seated this morning. All right. So I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of what I call unnecessary questions. Um, I was going to say silly questions, but let's just call it unnecessary questions because I was going to also say that, you know, as a guy, when you get married, you start to face quite a number of them um, in, in your home. Every married man says amen, yeah? Um, qu questions, like, and she just wants to find out a lot, you know, and stuff like that. So um, I'm not a big fan of unnecessary questions. And there are different kinds of what I call unnecessary questions. There are different types. Um, there, there are some that can just be very annoying because of how obvious they are. Like, you went out, you came back, and you probably have that friend that you went out, you came back, and then the friend asked you, are you back? Like, no. My ghost came to check so that I can come. You know something, like someone is in the toilet, you knock. It's obviously locked from inside. You say, someone there? No. Pupu was angry, so he locked the door. You know, something like that, right? Let's just call your necessary questions. Um, so, but parenting a... I used to think that my wife had a lot of questions until my daughter came along. Parenting a very young child, she just asked every question about... Sometimes my wife gets to a point with my daughter that she'll just say, your daddy will, you know... My daughter, theology questions, right? You know, just... You, know, you get what I'm trying to say. A lot of questions, right? Um, I remember telling her Bible stories back then, and I would be reading from books and trying to show her... Um, you know, trying to dramatize, and you've, you've spent 30 minutes telling this Bible story, behaving like an idiot, you know, 
acting like Goliath and David and, you know, showing her everything. And then you, you showed her the picture in the book. You know how they draw David and then they draw Goliath. And then maybe there are other people in, in the picture. And then she starts asking for the names of those people. So you start naming them. This is Ichabod. This is Zephaniah. You know, you just name them, like, whatever. Um, but but one of, maybe why I am hesitating just calling these silly questions is because um, I'm actually going to show you God himself asking those kind of questions. So uh, I will not say that they are silly questions. They are just questions I find quite unnecessary, right? Um, my daughter walked in on me the other day. I was in the kitchen, and then she comes. She sees me. You know, African mother, you can't be doing that for me. You, you saw me picking meat. I'm about to eat, and then you're asking me, what is that? It's a stone. It is a stone. It is not a stone. So why are you asking me? You know, that's, that's my big issue, right? You saw what was in my hand. I feel like that's what God is doing with Moses. In Exodus chapter 4, I'm going to take quite a lot out of there today. God looks at Moses and then the next thing God says is, what is in your hand? God is you, that's why. <laughs> God says, what is in your hand? Um, what, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? And I feel like it's obvious, but when God asks us questions, let's establish it. When God asks us questions, it's not because he's ignorant. In fact, usually when God asks a question in scripture, he's confronting you with your folly. He's trying to show you something. He's trying to teach you something. He's asking Adam and Eve, where, where, Adam, where are you? <laughs> Adam is like, we are hiding. <laughs> how does it sound? Like, God, God, I'm hiding. You know, how does it sound? God is confronting you with yourself. God is showing you something. God is teaching you something. And so God is asking Moses, He's saying, what is in your hands in Exodus 4 and verse 2? And Moses replies and says, Moses is a good guy, honest guy. But Moses says, it's a rod. It's a rod. And then God says, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And the Bible says, Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by tail. And you know the story. Moses basically touches it again. And then in Moses' hands, it becomes a rod. But when he lets it out, it becomes a serpent. So, so let's do that together this morning. Let's say this was you standing before God, April 24, 2022, and God asked you this question. What's in your hand? What would be your answer? What's in your hand today? Um, maybe it's, uh, because let's think about it. Moses is basically telling God um, what is in his hand. And so, please note the question God asked. God says, what is in your hand? Help me look at somebody this morning and say, what's in your hand? All right. Maybe it's a job. Um, that you don't even like. Maybe it's an asset strike. <laughs> maybe it's a business. Maybe it is a career opportunity, a plan, or maybe it is like in between, you know? You know that in between, um, trying to figure out, trying to plan. Um, what is in your hand? Maybe it's a, an application, um, professional course somewhere, you know? It's too many things. What is in your hands? Please, first of all, let us notice together what God did not ask. God did not say what is not in your hand. Because you know many times we're in this conversation with God and we're so big on what we don't have. Like, actually, yes, I have this job, but the job I'm trying to get. No, 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 wait. God says what is in your hand. Please also notice that God did not say, do you like what is in your hand? Please notice that God did not ask Moses, is what is in your hand what you always dreamt of? Please notice that God did not ask is what is in your hands what you deserve. Please notice that God did not ask is what is in your hands sufficient or is it enough. Please notice that God did not ask, thank God he did ask like an African prayer, is what is in your hands what is in your mid hand. Please notice that's not what God asked. God said what is in your hands. Help me look at somebody again this morning and say what is in your hand. 
Because when God tells Moses to throw this thing in his hands down, God says, let it out. When Moses lets it out, please notice that suddenly what was dead comes alive. What was lifeless suddenly comes alive. And I think this is so instructive for us because basically what Moses was holding in that moment was his work tool. Basically, Moses is holding his work tool and God is saying, what is in your hands? And Moses is saying, uh, it's a rod. And God says, let it out. And as Moses lets it out, what was dead comes alive. In that moment, three things you should notice about what Moses was holding. Number one, this is Moses' um, source of income. This is what Moses makes an income from. This is um, what he uses to earn, okay? Secondly, please notice this is Moses' means of influence. Please notice that Moses is controlling sheep and doing all of that with this. Thirdly, please notice that this is an identity thing for Moses. You look at him and this makes him a shepherd. This identifies him as a shepherd. And so in that moment, God is asking what is in your hands. And we see Moses pointing to three things. He's talking about his income. He's talking about his influence. He's talking about his identity. And God says, let it out. When Moses lets it out, what is dead comes alive. I think... God shows us a sequence here that when Moses lets it out, it comes alive. When he holds it, when he takes it back up, it's dead. But when he lets it out, it has life. And after that scene in scripture, we see after this encounter that Moses has in scripture, we suddenly see that what was just a death in all his life, just what it was, my income, my influence, my identity, all his life didn't have any sense of life to it. It was just a death thing. Suddenly after that encounter of Moses understanding to let it out to God, suddenly it feels like the value of that rod changes. It feels like it becomes even just the rod of God in Moses' hands. It feels like it was no longer just Moses' work tool. It felt like it was now a tool in God's hands. Um, God used it to part the Red Sea. God used it to bring water out of the rock. God used it to perform miracles in Egypt. Suddenly, this simple stick, it, there was nothing magical. It was just Moses understanding the power of surrendering something to God. And then it becomes a tool in God's hand. So let's try and build this out. I'm going somewhere today and please stay with me. Let's try and build this out. You see, we live, I say this a lot, that we live in a fallen planet. We live, the, the order of the system that we live in it's an order of death. 1 Corinthians 15, in Adam all died. There's a natural, all right, just about deadness. And um, maybe you face all that kind of pain and frustration in the story of what is in your hands. I honestly understand that we live in that kind of world that, you know, you work hard, you put out effort. It just feels like it's not rewarded enough. It feels like nobody understands it. It can just be a very emptying painful sequence of work and of schooling and studying and building a business the systems just seem to be against like you're working against the tide we do live in that kind of world and you see if what is in your hands is just a journey in the natural if you're just going by the default the truth is if it's just an income push an influence thing an identity thing in the natural the truth is there's just a deadness about it that's what Moses will tell you it always tends to frustration and pain. When man fell in Genesis chapter 3, that's the root of where it's coming from. Because when man fell in Genesis chapter 3, you remember that God pronounced a curse upon the concept of toil and work. And, and God is saying that, look, you, the, um, there's a hardness, there's a hardship by which the ground would produce for man. So in the natural, there is that hardship. It's like working against the odds. Um, to make it happen but let's remember that that is not actually God's design for work um, I believe that through Jesus God is interested in not just saving us 
and giving us an eternal destination. God is interested in putting what I call a redemptive value on the work of our hands. That when we got saved in Jesus, there is like restoring us to God's original design for work that we come into through Jesus. I really believe that. Let me tell you, friends, I really believe. Maybe you've never thought about it, but your Monday to Friday matters to God. Like he, there is redemptive value upon it. Upon every other moment outside when you are lifting your hands in worship. God is concerned about what those hands go to do all through the week. Let me read for you Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Jesus speaking says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Just like, are you tired? You're like, yes. <laughs> Listen to what he says. He says, come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch, watch how I do it. They say, how? Learn. I love this. The unforced rhythms of grace. That there can be a rhythm. It's a beautiful rhythm. It's not forced. It's not hustle. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Friends, I still believe this in 2022. That there's an unforced rhythm of grace. And he says, I won't lay anything ill-fitting or, 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 or heavy on you. He says, keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. So, so you know what I want us to do? Let's start today by remembering that work Work was originally God's idea. Work, work is, is originally God's idea and God's ideal. Please remember that. Work is God's idea and God's ideal. Work is not first of all a poverty eradication scheme. No, work is not first of all how to uh, leverage something for your children so they will never go through what you went through. No, work is first of all God's beautiful idea and God's ideal. Work is God's idea and ideal. Please remember that in the garden, in the garden, Adam already had everything before he was given work. Work was not Adam's way out of poverty, out of lack. No, Adam had everything, everything. Spiritually, he had all of God, all right? Um, materially, fruitically, he had all the fruits. And then God gave him work. So work was not, first of all, an escape. Work was part of God's creation design. It is God's ideal, and it is God's idea. Work was not the fruit of the curse. It was not that man sinned. God now said, ah, ah, you will work. No. It was not the curse. It was in creation. It was what God looked at in creation and said, it is good. Work is originally God's idea and God's ideal. So I believe that putting our faith in Jesus must transform how we look at work. That there must be a, a redemptive viewpoint that we now have about work. Work is not just a necessary evil. Uh-huh, Monday. You know, work is not a necessary evil. Why, why do you work? Ah, so that we can eat. Mm, why do you eat? Ah, so that I can have the strength to go back to work. Mm, why do you work? So I can have something to eat. So you eat to work, you work to eat, you eat to work, you work to eat. Work is not a necessary evil. Work is God's beautiful idea and God's ideal. Listen, when I say this, please, under, please hear what I'm saying. I'm not even just saying that God is interested in how he can use your work. I'm not just saying that God is interested in what can come out of work. Sometimes we think about God being interested in what can come out of work, that when I work and I earn, then I can use the money for the glory of God. I know, but I'm saying that work itself is God's idea and is God's ideal. <laughs> Listen to Ephesians 2 and verse 10. It says he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. 
the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. When you read through the Bible, the truth is, even a blind man would see that the Bible is big on work. You read through Proverbs, one of the, one of the strongest themes in Proverbs, if you just read through thematically, it's hard work, it's diligence, it's work, it's, it's work, it's work, it's diligence, it's, it's harsh on the lazy person, on the slothful, it's how to work, it, the big theme is, is work. You, you read, listen to what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 8. Paul is saying, look, we didn't eat anyone's bread free of charge. We worked with labor and toil, night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. By the time you get to verse 10, look at what he says. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone does not work, if anyone will not work, will not work neither shall he eat. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Paul would say, if you don't work, don't eat. Let me tell you what Paul is saying. If you don't eat, what will happen? You will die. Paul is saying, if you don't work, die. That's what Paul is saying. If anybody will not work, let him die. That's what Paul is saying. That, you know, what are you doing? What? If you won't work, then Paul says die. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> See, the Bible, let me help you this morning. The Bible encourages us to be generous, to help and to give. The Bible encourages us to be generous to the poor, but not to the lazy. There's a big difference. In Nigeria, you need to know that. There's a big difference. The Bible says, if you don't work, it says die. <laughs> But the poor is different. All right? Um, so I know what you might be thinking. Somebody might be thinking that you don't understand. The issue is I don't have a job. The issue is I've applied. If you know what, please, I've applied. I've worked around, I've applied. The issue is I don't have a job. And that's why I don't. The issue is that school is on strike. The issue is that they've locked up. That's, it's not my, you don't understand. But then you miss the point. Um, even if you're out of job, even if you're out of school, don't ever be out of work. Because they're two different things. The question is, what is in your hands? Not what is not in your hands. Not what are you hoping to be in your hands. God told me many years ago, I'll never forget. Even if you don't have a job, don't ever be out of work. Don't ever be out of a sense of work. So maybe what we need to do is to try to understand together what work is. Let's try and understand that together. I would say that work is the human effort. It's, it's you putting out effort in the direction of making God's created universe, all right, God's created universe um, come to its full extent and expression. So I'll tell you what I'm saying. When God created the world, you, you know about how God created the world in, in five days. He made man on the sixth day. And then the Bible says God rested from his work on the seventh day and he said he has finished and all of that. Um, and, and so in a sense, God made everything, but in a sense, he didn't make everything. So he put a garden and in the ultimate, we're going to meet that as the new heaven and the new earth and all of that. But in the entire journey between, it is God out of that garden, giving full expression to everything he had put in the garden, but was not seen. So let, let, let me tell you what I'm saying. For example, God did not create a chair, but he put a tree and there was wood in the tree and there was an idea in man. So man's effort that brings the chair out of the tree. Do you understand what I'm saying? God did not make aeroplanes, okay? God did not make mobile phones. God did not put technology. God did not write codes. Do you understand what I'm saying? God did not, no. But God put things inside humanity and he put materials in the ground. And so man's efforts, that constantness of man's effort and discovery and research and uncovering and bringing to light the full extent and expression of what is in God's created universe is our work. So it can be in a conversation, it can be in an effort, it can be in a business, it can be in a strategy, it can be in anything. 
It can be, God, God did not create dishes. Eh? God planted vegetables. Okay? Human beings started to understand what goes with what. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you eaten some food, some food before that you're like, ha! You know, one day my, my wife, I used to have this thing when we got married. I'll tell my, ah, we'll finish it. I'll tell my wife that ah, when married to about the lamb, you're one of the people that will cook. I thought it was like a good preacher line on your wife, like, babe, man, seafood, like, married to about the lamb, you're one of the people that will cook. And so first day she laughed, second day she laughed. One day she now said, stop that. I'll finish stressing myself and cooking my heart. I'll go and be cooking every day. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, but here's the concept of work. God created the world in raw form. And we have the privilege of putting effort to bring the experience of what God saw, of God's beauty and of the ultimate of what is locked up in the world and in God's people and all of that. We put in effort to bring it all alive. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 58 and verse 12. It says, you'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins. Please watch this. Rebuild and renovate and make the community livable again. I really believe, maybe as Nigerians, some of us need to be hearing this kind of scriptures. That You know, there's prophecy about how we're making the community livable. There's, there's prophecy about how we're, our effort, by our work, by what we see, by the experience we're creating, by the joy we're putting out, by what we live, by the hope we're breathing, and the expressions that we are making people come closer to that sense of what God put in creation. And so maybe what I want to say today is that we all need a new vision for work. We need a new vision for why we do what we do. See yourself, please, friends. I pray that going out on Monday morning, see yourself as somebody who is positioned to be a contributing, productive member of everything that you get to be a part of. See yourself as somebody who God positions to be, I call it a contributing productive, to bring something, to add value, you know, to be a contributing productive member of everything you get to be a part of. Don't see yourself as somebody who just puts out effort to earn a salary. See yourself, have a new redemptive vision of work that I get to be a contributing productive member to what I get to be a part of, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm working in fashion or in food, whether I'm working in a Greek, whether I'm working in ministry, whether I'm working in, in whether I'm schooling, I get to be be a contributing, productive member of everything I get to be a part of. Whether I'm in a conversation, whether I'm sitting down in a meeting, I get to be a contributive, productive member of what I am a part of. I tell guys all the time, you can't sit down, church staff, no, you can't sit down in a meeting with me, we talk. Then we say, what do you have to say? You say, it's okay. What is okay? Think. Bring something to the room. Do you understand what I'm saying? Be a contributing, productive member. You sit down in a church service, you listen, you say, hmm. Be a contributor. Contribute to an atmosphere where you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? Bring something to the room. Be the kind of person that values that I put out effort where I am. To be a contributing, productive, fruitful member of where I get to be a part of. That's the concept of work. Have a new vision of work. You resumed on a job. You're not just thinking about how much are they paying me. Think about what am I bringing. It's amazing that Christians think of what they take off, not what they give. It is still more blessed to give than to receive. Maybe you don't know that. What are you adding? What value are you bringing? Be a contributive, productive. You sit down in a conversation. You're in a life group. Be a contributing, productive member of an atmosphere. Do you know how people just come with negative energy? I'm like, what's wrong with you? 
negativity be a contributing productive be alive when you show up on Monday morning I'm a co- contributing productive member of what God is doing in the earth when I let out some joy there some hope there some love there some peace there one word of knowledge there I am a contributing productive member I give out some encouragement we finish a service you walked up to a team member you said thank you to a volunteer you are a contributing productive member of what you get to be around have a new vision of work Believe that there's a redemptive value. Even if you go to an inaugural lecture and you don't understand anything, they say, clap! Be a contributing, productive member of an atmosphere. Do you understand what I'm saying? Be a contributing, productive member. You see people watching Liverpool beating Man City, you're just staring. But I will talk about you now. I will talk about it now. You know we will get there in this summer, right? We'll, we'll come back to that. And mind you, mind you, is just so sorry, but we'll come to that. Um, be a contributing, productive member. Let me ask you this morning, why, why did God want Moses' rod? Why is God saying, what is in your hands? And he's saying, let it out. Why, God, why are, you, why are you asking for my work too? Why are you asking for what's in my hands? Why are you asking for the space and season of my life and where I am? Why are you asking for it? Why does God want us to put our work out to him? Why does it come alive in God's hand and it's dead when it's about me? Why is God asking for it? Let me suggest to you this morning, first of all, because through our work, we express God. God knows that through our work, we can express him. This thing, God is looking at that road and God is telling Moses, you know, this thing in your hand can go to Egypt and be a statement for me. God knows that through our work, we can express him. Listen to Ephesians 3 and verse 10. God would use the church to show the powers and authorities in the spiritual world that he has many different kinds of wisdom. God wants to do that through your work. That he has many different kinds of wisdom. The extent of wisdom that God has. God says, I want to show it through the church. I like it in Amplified Classic. It says the purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might be made known. You carry a portion of that, friends. And God wants to demonstrate through our work himself to the world he put something in our hands so that he can use it to express himself honestly as i look at our church i am super grateful for every volunteer in sycamore church i love we are blessed as a church man you know i looked this weekend last night you don't want to know what time some people left here last night setting up trying to we were hit the weather hit us hard three weeks ago you know on a saturday it was friday overnight into saturday starting to figure out what was going to happen for service you know i saw people setting up for recording strange places you know the flight we had to take to fiji islands it was tiring you know and all of that right but <laughs> you know I, I saw i saw what man you know i even came back with an accent man like <laughs> you know but but, but 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 i mean i saw volunteers serve pour themselves work late into the night sacrifice it's crazy people on the scenes people behind the scenes you don't want to know how early some people come in to make all of this happen people praying all over the world amazing volunteers in our church that make everything happen. We are, we are blessed as a church, honestly. But I say all of that to say this. Do you know that in the ultimate of God's expression, the ultimate of our work and our effort, it's not just about serving the church. It's not just about self-serving. The ultimate of what we can be as Christians is not that we have such a powerful volunteer faith that serves us as a church. 
But I believe that in the ultimate, God wants volunteers and people who make church happen to serve the church so that the church can serve the world. So that we can be empowered to shine something, to make something happen in the world. But the ultimate of this, it's not just what goes on in our building. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You know that, right? A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. It says, neither do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. Now, listen to verse 16. It says, let your light so shine. Like, don't just shine, like so shine. And you're having this picture of, yes, let my light just shine, that it will just be blinding people everywhere. Like, that's the way you think about light shining. Like, it's just in everybody's eyes, it's blinding, you know, like it's, it's shining. But, but, but look at what they see. It says that they may see your good works. How do we shine our light? It's by good works. Do you ever have a picture of being the light of the world by the works that you're doing? By your work? How do you do your job? How do you show up? How do you do what is in your hands? How do you handle what is in your hands? That's what the Bible is saying. How do, you, how do we shine our light? People see our good works. Jesus didn't say, let your prayer be so loud that the world will hear. No, he didn't say, let your worship be so loud. No, he said, let your light so shine. How? So that people will see your good works. But it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture because what they are seeing is our good works. But look at where the glory goes. That the glory goes to your Father in heaven. So God knows that by the works of our hands, He can express Himself and that the glory is coming back to Him. Have you ever worked with somebody before that, you know, the person did work in such a way that you just felt there has to be something about this person. What is it about you? And the person is telling you about how I'm a Christian and, and there's just that touch of God upon the work of this person's hand. About the attitude with which you work about how you do what you do. God knows that there is a character and value that we can put in our work that looks like him. And so God is saying, let it out to me so that you can express me. Second thing I would say, first of all, um, that God says let it out because I believe through our work we express God. Secondly, I believe that through our work we can connect to God's kingdom purpose. God knows that if Moses lets this thing out to me, it's just a rod in his hand. He's just been using it to follow sheep and all of that. God knows that if he lets it out to me, suddenly that rod is now delivering Israel from Egypt. It's just becoming a bigger story. God knows that in letting it out to him, we can connect to a bigger kingdom purpose. Let me remind you, friends, there is one thing that God is doing in the earth. God is not doing many things. God is not doing many things. God is not uh, raising or doing. God is not doing anything. God is doing one thing. He he is building a kingdom. He's bringing people from darkness into light to the knowledge of his son. That's what God is doing in the earth. And God knows that through our work, he can connect us to that one big thing that he's doing. And so the rhythms of our work, as we work in the rhythms, God knows that that can leak into connecting us to a sense of God's purpose in the earth. So God says, let out your work to me. Let out your effort to me. Let out what you do to me. Now your influence, your income, your identity, let it out to me so that through that I can connect you to a sound of what I'm doing in the earth. It is in the rhythms of work. Ask David, he will tell you that it's in the rhythms of work. It's in running an errand for his father. It's in just putting out that effort to be faithful. It's in those rhythms that he gets connected to killing Goliath and delivering Israel from the Philistines. Ask Joseph, he will tell you it's in the rhythms of serving faithfully in the prison, in Potiphar's house, in doing what is in your hands, not what is not in your hands. What is in your hands? It's in those rhythms that he gets connected 
connected to interpreting the dreams and bringing a prophetic edge to the future of the world. Ask you Moses, he will tell you that it's in the rhythms of faithfully following sheep, of, of following stupid sheep, like stupid sheep, following them again and again and strange sheep, stupid sheep. It's in the rhythms of following them that he gets connected to going to lead the stupid Israelites. I mean, he needed all that patience. You get what I'm trying to say? It's in the rhythms of work that God connects us to a sense of his purpose. And so, I'll say to you this morning that what's in your hands? What can you do? God says, let it out to me because through your work, we express God. Through your work, we connect to God and his purpose. And the third thing, I believe that God knows that when he takes it, he changes the value. God knows that when you let it out to me, the value changes. The value changes. In Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11, let me show you something quickly. You know that the Bible says he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and pastors and teachers. We call that the fivefold or fourfold, whichever you prefer. And, and you know how that, and there's that sense of these are the people that are called into ministry. If you're a pastor, you're a teacher, you're a prophet, all of that. But in the real sense of it, let's look at it together. Give me verse 12. In the real sense of it, the ministry is not on them. The Bible says for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. It is the saints that are being equipped to do the work of ministry. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you seeing that? That those guys have a job, all right, called of God with a job to equip everyday ordinary people to do ministry. In other words, more ministry happens outside the church than in the church. If you think about it. The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But I'm saying all of that to say that as I think about those five things um, of the apostolic and of the prophetic and of the evangelistic and of pastoring and teaching. As I think about that, the apostolic, what does that sound like? That sounds like pioneering. That sounds like breaking grounds, open, opening new frontiers. You think about the prophetic and that's pretty obvious, that sense of foresight of what is to come and, you know, working into that, of, of, of like a foreseeing. You think about teaching, that's obvious. You think about pastoring, shepherding and leading. You think about um, evangelistic, okay? Um, Sounds like marketing. No, no, marketing, but you got what I'm trying to say, right? Um, as I think about all of that, do you know what I honestly find is that as God works through the fivefold into the saints, who are the saints? The church, all of us. As God works into us, he actually puts amazing value on the ordinary things that we do. So I was thinking about it this morning that, do you know, funny enough, when I think about Moses' rod and that encounter with God, I feel like all those five things came on Moses' rod. What was just a dead rod? Suddenly, those five things happened on Moses' rod. rod becomes apostolic. He's bringing out water from the rock. The, the rod, that's pioneering, if you know what I'm talking about. The rod becomes, um, it becomes teaching. It becomes one of the biggest statements you can ever have of God, of who God is. The rod becomes evangelistic. Ask them in Egypt. The rod becomes pastorly. Think about how that rod led them. Think about how that rod shepherded and led them. The rod becomes prophetic into what God is doing. Suddenly, all those things come upon the rod. God knows that when you let it out to me, the ordinary things, ordinary things start to have more value. And I'm saying this to people because honestly you might think I'm just working a tech job I'm just teaching I'm just you know everything you say when you start to put it out to God suddenly you start to realize do you know that there is prophetic value and extent that happen in technology do you know there's prophetic extents that happen I might just be a medical student I just graduated from school I just even my course gone people don't whatever it is in your case the question is what is in your hands I believe that God can put value on it that you have no clue about what is in your hands what is in your hands um, friends, I'll say to you this morning, your Monday morning is ministry, when you think about it. Um, whatever that is in your context, 
I believe that God can put value. Your business can be a huge teaching, evangelistic expression of who God is. You'll be amazed. God puts value on things. So what then? What then? And here's where I'm going to land. I'll tell you three things as I close this morning. What then should be our response? Having said this, having said, I really think we need to have a redemptive vision of work. I really think we need to embrace that kind of new vision about work and that work is God's ideal, work is God's idea, and all of that. What then? Please stay with me. Like I said, we're going on a three-week journey. I really believe over these three weeks, God is going to use this in a very, very personal way for you. So let's, let's land this morning. What then should be our response? Number one, I would say to you, work as God's design. Work as God's design. Work as God's design. Remind yourself every day you put out effort that through my little work, God is unveiling the holistic beauty and glory of himself. Remind yourself, whether it's my effort to study, whether it's my effort on a job, whether it's my effort to build a business, remind yourself that my work is part of God's design. Through my effort, through the creative instincts God has given me, through my ability to hold a conversation, to improve on something in my office, to contribute to that meeting, through the effort of being a contributing, productive member of everywhere I am, every conversation by the roadside with my neighbor, remind yourself that through this, God is unveiling, he's unveiling the holistic beauty and glory of himself. Jesus answered them in John chapter 5 verse 17. My father has been working until now and I have been working. Work remembering that it is God's design. I really believe that we need a God-centered vision of our work. Not just that God uses our work, but that work itself, work itself is God's ideal. Saw something this morning. Fun fact. Um, the word vocation the, word, the, the root of the English word vocation is the Latin verb voca, which means to call, okay? So um, vocation is from the Latin root voca, which means to call. In other words, um, at some point in history, at somewhere in history in the development of language, people thought of every type of work as a calling, Right? We think of vocation as what people do, but they thought about it at the root of the language. They thought about every form of vocation as calling. In other words, that what we do carries a sense of calling. And I really pray that we don't get that lost. Whether you are developing softwares, whether you are a farmer, whether you are in the food industry, whether you are a worship leader or a pastor or an evangelist, or you are a, um, a, a, a content writer, whatever you do, think about it as calling. Calling. Not just because it pays my bills or because I find fulfillment in it or because I've done this or because, you know, this is my means out of poverty. Think about it as a sense of calling. You work because it is God's calling on your life. Conversation you get to be in, the things you get to do, you put out effort from a space of it is God's calling on your life. And I honestly want to remind people this morning, as I say, whatever you do, I honestly think we live in a generation where we are so big. Even sometimes as Christians, we're so big on what? What should I do? What if that? What, what, what? And, and a lot of the what questions. But do you know what I feel honestly as I read my Bible? I feel like we say to God, God, what? And God is like, whatever, whatever. The Bible says, Psalm 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, whatsoever he does shall prosper. God is not so much about what he does, but within the lanes of his righteousness, you will find that God can use whatsoever whatsoever whatever so whether you sell mango or you sell mansion <laughs> whatever he does can carry redemptive value if it is led out to God 
within the lanes of God's righteousness. I don't think God is that rigid. And I'm not saying we don't live our lives with a sense of clarity and, you know, all of that. We will talk about a lot of that. But I'm saying that what we get to be a part of is more important than the part that we play. When you understand that your work is a contributing part to a big sense of God's work, okay? You realize that what you're a part of, God is more about what are you a part of than the specific role you play. That's what you'll find. It's like, it's like you're watching you a football match. I really believe that defenders, if you ask a defender, all right, what do you do? They'll tell I defend the goal, right? You understand? But I don't want a stupid defender that is in front of the, of the opponent's post and will not score when he has the, the opportunity to score. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And he said, my job is to defend. My job here is to defend. That's what I do. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? When you understand what you are a part of, you realize that the role you play is not as important as what you are a part of. When you understand that God has work in the earth and our effort is constantly going into a sense of what God is doing, you realize that what you are doing by time is not even as important as what you are a part of. So Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I know you're a pastor, but do the work of an evangelist. He said, ah, I'm not an evangelist. No, do the work. You have the opportunity to do it. Paul says to Timothy, bring my um, paragraph when you are coming. Bring my stuff that I left there. Ah, no, I'm not a delivery agent. Bring it. You have opportunity to do it. What you do is not as important as what you are a part of. And when that governs your mind and foils your mind, you, you don't Put yourself in this rigidity you've been waiting for three years for uh, leading on what? My friend, you might be out of job, but don't be out of work. Wake up every day, walk on the road, lead somebody to Christ, walk on the road. What you are a part of? Volunteer somewhere. Do you understand? Carry a wheelbarrow and tell somebody you want to help them. Do you understand what you are a part of? And I've honestly done that before. Not wheelbarrow literally, but I remember waking up on campus many years ago and just feeling I can give somebody encouragement. People are coming back to school. And I went to stand at the bus stop. People come and I say, can I help you with your luggage? I'll carry it to their hostel for them. Say, let me give you 29. No, it's not for the money. I just want you to know that God loves you. I can encourage you. I can give somebody hope. Rather than sitting down and looking, nobody remembered me. And you know what? I may not have a job, but I'm never out of work. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Never. staring at your phone, scrolling through Instagram for the last one hour. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to tell you? My effort into saying, bringing humanity to experience God's full creative design, the hope, the love, the joy, what did God see in the world? Then he created it and there's just sadness and pain everywhere and we're just joining the nagging. No, work, a new redemptive vision of work will tell you that you're a part of bringing the expression of God into what he saw that he said is good. What did God see that he said is good? That's why we work. That's what we're about. <laughs> First question people ask me is, uh, so, so how will you feed your family? Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> understand the vision of work. We'll talk about all of this, okay? Understand the vision of work. So, big question. What am I positioned to do part-time? Big question. Tell them first, if you're taking notes, that's notable. If you're not taking notes, that's notorious. If you're taking notes, write, write it down. What am I positioned to do part-time? Wake up every morning and ask yourself that, what can I do? When it comes to work, I would encourage you, choose how over what. Choose how over what. How you do it is more important than what you do. Who you do it for is more important than what you do. Choose how over what. I didn't plan on my, how, how over what. Same thing, I say it to students also. You might not like this. Whether you come first or you come seventh, it's not as important as how you handle it. That's what I honestly believe. 
At the end of the day, so you say you are praying that you must be first. Okay, so there are 20 Christians in your class. All of them are praying. So, so what are you saying? Whether you come first or you come 20, that's not as important to me as how you handle it. Do you have a sweet spirit about things? Do you have the right? Are you just cynical? Because you came second, you are spreading rumors that the person that came first is sleeping with lecturer. No. Were you there? Did you see it? you understand what I'm saying? How over what? Don't kill yourself over. I'm more concerned about seeing my effort contributing to knowledge. When you gain admission, they tell you. The point of education is not just to escape school. It's to contribute to the knowledge, to the frontiers <laughs> of knowledge. What is your research? <laughs> How over what? Yeah. In and of itself, let me say this, in and of itself, being a farmer is not less um, glorifying to God than being a pastor. It's not. It must not be. It's not. If not, some people will kill me to take my job. The other is not. <laughs> what? How over what? That's, that's just what they say. So first of all, I said work as God's design, right? Secondly, work as God's assign. Work as God's assign. The word is correct. Don't look at me like that. I confirmed this morning, and it must rhyme. I wanted to say assignee, but I confirmed this morning that there's a word like that, so it rhymes. Design, assign. Then I resign. <laughs> okay, work, work as God's, God's assign. You know, our work is always a statement of what we believe about the God who gave us the work. It's always a statement. Matthew 25 and verse 14. The kingdom of heaven, you know the story of the, the, the parable of the talents. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. That we've been entrusted with opportunity, with, you know, and all of that. So we must work with a sense of, man, we were assigned something. And look at what the, the guy who came back with one said in verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown. And gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Do you notice that his attitude to work, his attitude to what he was given was based on what he thought about the master. And so I just really think that we must work with an understanding that God is good. So what he has given me to do part time, I do faithfully. I may not be able to explain and understand, but God is good. God, God is good. God is aware of where I am. God is aware of what's going on. God knows me. God loves me. God is for me. He's not against me. So I, I, my work is more about the God that has positioned me here than even the person that is sitting in front. Do you understand that? Than who I'm doing it you know, with and than my colleagues and what they said. It's more about a God that has entrusted you. Work as somebody that is assigned by God. Um, understanding that where you are part time is an entrustment that God has given you. You may not be there forever, honestly, friends. You might just be somewhere for three weeks. Ah, I'm just in NYC camp for three weeks and then I'm redeploying. It's okay. But while you are there, have a sense of I'm assigned. You know, I'm only here. I'm just waiting to get out of here. In fact, my visa has come. Okay. While you are there, work as God's. As, ask somebody next to you. How, how did he know you've applied for visa? Ask somebody. Work. <laughs> Work as God's assigned. Work hard. Um, go, go to work tomorrow, giving it your best because of a sense of God has assigned me here now. Right? Um, and that's what I get to do. Okay. Um, thirdly, and where I'll land this morning, first of all, work um, as God's design. Work as God's assigned. Thirdly, work on God's timeline. Work on God's timeline. Work on God's timeline. You know, in John chapter 9, um, interesting story you know about Jesus healing this blind guy. Verse 4, Jesus says these words, I must do the work of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. 
He says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus shows us clearly that there must be an urgency to our work when we are on a God timeline. There must be an urgency. Now, I use the word urgency, not rush, not rush, but urgency, a promptness, a what is this season about? I must be about it. That's what Jesus is saying. That night is coming when no man can work. I understand that there is a time, there's a season within which I can do what I can do. I don't have the opportunities I have forever. I don't get to be here forever. I don't have this space and season of my life forever and Jesus will tell you work with that kind of urgency and knows that I don't have this forever you know in John chapter 9 where, where Jesus said this if you just read some verses up the context is that Jesus and his disciples meet a blind man and there are questions they're asking why is this guy born blind you know whose fault was it you know then the why's the who's the um you know who was at fault why you know and maybe you are also in the why's and all of that why am I here now why um who whose fault why should I not and in all that kind I call it an analysis paralysis Jesus basically walks into these guys and says I don't I'm not answering all the questions that you have what I am I'm showing you is that there is work to be done whether you can answer the questions or not there is a time that is ticking I'm not going to have these opportunities forever I'm not going to be here forever I had better be about the work I can be about now and I say that because I feel like saying to people maybe we need to remind ourselves that we can't just foot drag all over the place you are not going to be 20 forever you're not going to be in your 30s forever you're not going to be single forever you're not going to have your, your children at that tender formative age forever be about the work of investing and of planting and not just complaining you're not going to have you know these seasons of your life forever you're not going to have this life group forever you're not going to have these people forever you are not there is a timeline and we must work like people that understand that there is an urgency to everything we get to do. Leonard Ravenhill said that an opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. So true. And every opportunity has a lifetime, friends. I tell you the truth. Opportunities have lifetimes. You can get many chances at, at something, right? You can get many chances, but every chance is different. Because for any chance that I didn't take, that I get another chance, I could have been using this next chance to do something else to have moved. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every chance is different. And we must be people. Don't let's be people that just drag, foot drag around like, because your concept of work is just my job, what they pay, is the end of month coming. And I'm saying no. When you have a concept of work that is, I am a contributing, productive, fruitful member of what God is doing, of where I am part time, there must be that sense of urgency. It's like, there's this exam I've heard about in, in med school where they, they, I think they call it steeple chase or something. Like you stand in front of a question. Am, am I right? Medical students, so I'll correct you. You stand in front of a question and then it's like, like time and you, <laughs> you move to the next or something like that and it's just this sense and so it's time again you move to the next and all of that and it's just this sense of wow you're here doing because when you've come here I think you're thinking about that you're missing this already okay then you've come here and you're thinking about, you're missing this already. there must be that sense of I have limited time and opportunity I'm not saying rush your life but I'm saying have an urgency to your life have it, have it, don't just wake up and just be staring have an urgency to your life what am I positioned to do here now I don't want to end my life or just, and when I say end my life, I don't want to be 50 and look over when I was in my 30s and just have that sense of, ah, I could have. I would have. I should have. I might have. I don't want to just, I want to look over my life and have that sense of, I did, I did, I did, okay? I don't want to be the Christian. I can't do all things through Christ. I can't. I really know I can't. He empowers me. I can't. I want to be doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to be doing. I've thought about it too. 
Do you ever happen to you when you're in school that a teacher asked a question and then you you knew the answer, but you hadn't yet said it. You were thinking, should I, should I? Then somebody said it. She announced everybody should stand up, give the person a standing over. You announced it, and I knew it in my mind. I don't want to live my life with that sense of, ah, and I knew, I, I thought about it before. You know that friend you see that every day you see, I thought of calling you. In fact, I... <laughs> in fact, I saw you, I was about to bring out my phone. I'd even dialed. It had not gone. I don't just want to think of friends. I want to be a contributing, productive member of what God has put me in. If you have it on your heart to be a blessing, be the blessing. If you have it on your heart to do it, do it, start. I wrote my first book and I got to the point of calling a publisher and him giving me my cost. Then I now knew I now didn't have the money. But I didn't stop writing because I didn't have the money. If you get what I'm trying to say. I called him. I collected the quotes. I said, is that last? Then I blocked him. But, 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 but this was very many years ago. But, but you get what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't want to just, you know, in my heart, there are dreams. An urgency. An urgency. Tim, come. Let me land this morning. Um... We would only be able to do this. I've said a lot of things about God's design, about um, God's, how that we, are, we can work as God's design, we can work as God's assign, and we must work on a God timeline. But I really believe, would you please stand to your feet, everybody, if you're comfortable, if you're online, please stand also. I honestly think we would only be able to do this if we understand the place God brought Moses to. Because God wants to do something with Moses' rod. God wants to, you know, make a miracle, to add value, to, to do amazing things in a rod. But the first thing he brings Moses to is a place of Moses. What's in your hand? Let go. Let go. It's something like let go that what is just dead in a world of frustration and all of that can really come alive. It's something like let go. Work does not have to be a hustle. Work can be a healthy rhythm. Of walking with Jesus. Your spirituality is not just about singing in church and praying. Your spirituality is also on Monday morning. It's also on Tuesday afternoon. You get what I'm saying? It's part of it. And today my question is, what is in your hands? What is in your hands? Not what is not in your hands. Not what were you hoping will be in your hands by now. We'll come to all of that. We'll talk about that. Um, but what is in your hands today? We speak today, April 24th, 2022. What are you positioned to do? What are you positioned to serve, to give, to love, to put out effort towards? What do you get to show up to tomorrow morning? What do you get to show up to today? What is in your hands? Now, I know you want to change it, but let's start from what is in your hands. What is in your hands? And I'm going to read a scripture over you today, but I just feel like today I want us to have a dedication moment. I call it a dedication moment. Where we can be saying, God, I put it in your hands. I let it out to you. In sincerity, I let it out to God. I may not be able to explain why this is what is in my hands. But what God is asking is what is in your hands. Because God can use what he put in your hands part time. He's aware. He knows. I feel like I want us to have a dedication moment. Whether it is 10 naira or it is 10 million, let it be in God's hands. Whether it is... I planned to have study for four years. Now I've spent seven years. 
for a four-year course I haven't even finished. Let the seven years be in God's hands. Let, first of all, are you not grateful that you even have the seven years to put, right? Are you not grateful, first of all? It's people that have life that can have years. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so and then secondly, whether it is seven or it is, let it be in God's hand. Let there be a value that God can give. What happens is that we become so conscious of systems and of, you know, the history of the rod, why the rod. But what God is asking is, what is in your hands? Put it in my hands. Okay, so what is in my hands right now is a, is a plan. It hasn't even seen the light of day. God says, put it in my hands. Let's have a dedication moment today. But the influence I have, let it be in God's hands. God, use it to build his kingdom. Point people to himself. I mean, all of this, all you are saying to me is you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm trying hard. I'm working hard. The economy is just not right. Um, things are not just where they should be. I've tried. Systems are just wrong. It just feels like I'm walking against the tide. You really don't understand. Listen, I know we live in the same world. And I know and we're going to come to talk about a lot of that. But it starts from the simplicity of what you thought is a silly question. God said, what is in your hand? But God, you're talking about a mission to Egypt. How does this come against the biggest superpower in the world. But God is saying in that simplicity, the foolishness of God is wiser than the, wise, than the wisdom of men. That simplicity of learning to say, whatever it is in my hands, it might not look likely, it might not be what I hoped for, it might not be what I planned for, but I know what it means to say, God, it's in your hands. My family, my, the opportunity I have, it's in God's hands. And I learned to let it out to him. This very season of my life, not the next. Not the one I'm working towards. Not when that happens. But this very season of my life is in God's hands. I know it's a tension moment right now. But this tension moment is in God's hands. It's a dedication moment. So we're going to talk next week about what to do when work is not working. Let's start today with just a dedication moment. My prayer for you this morning is Psalm 90 and verse 16 to 17. Over the next three weeks, there are some specific things I feel God laid on my heart that I want to pray for people in this house. And today I want to pray Psalm 90 verse 16 to 17 for you. It says, let, the, let your work appear to your servants. Moses is praying this. And he's saying to God, Lord, let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Do you notice that the context of God establishing our work is that we first of all see his work. Did you notice that in the first verse? Let your work appear. It's in seeing what God is doing that we can find establishment in our work. Then in seeing God's work, he comes to talk about God's beauty. And God's beauty, like just God's beauty, we see it in the establishment of our work. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God, I pray that today, just for the people of this house, I pray for people in this room, I pray for people online everywhere, God, today. I pray, Lord, let your work appear to your servants. I pray, Lord, God, let your glory appear to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon you. May he establish the work of your hands for you. Yes, may he establish the work of your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. And in this moment, can you just hold out your hands, everybody, if you're comfortable to do that? And I'm just going to just put some words on the screen. I just want us to make a declaration together this morning as I close out. And then Sean will just come over in a moment. 
I let go, everybody, would you say with me this morning, I let go of what's in my hands to God. My effort is not a dead, frustrating tendency. Say, my work is blessed. I work understanding God's design. Say, I work as God's assign. And I work with the urgency of God's timeline. Say, God, I give you what's in my hands. Would you hold out your hands and say that again? God, I give you what's in my hands. I give you my effort and my work. I give you my skill and my abilities. I give you my dreams and my plans. I give you my ideas and my strategies. I'll say, Lord, use my influence in your work. Use my income for your glory. Let me find my identity in who calls me to do this, not what I do. Now everybody say, my hands are blessed to work. My work is established. And the beauty of the Lord is upon me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 While we stay standing, thank you. While we stay standing this morning, I want to make an invitation for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you came to church this morning, whether you're new or you've been coming. You can't boldly say that you are in the right place with God through Jesus. As we are surrendering our work, maybe what you need to surrender is your life. Maybe you're here today and you know you're living far away from God. You're living in sin. You've never made a conscious decision to surrender the lordship of your life to him. Or maybe at some point you had, but as we speak today, you know you're far away. You've made poor choices. You've walked away from, from, from a right place with God. And you want to be reconciled today. You want today to be a day of surrender of your life. It's a beautiful opportunity for you today. I'm asking everybody to stay standing so we can honor your decision. But can we just close our eyes and give somebody just the right to choose this morning? If you say, you know what, you're speaking to me, I'm going to count to three. And where you are, I want you with confidence to put your hand on your chest, whether you're in the building or you're online, on the count of three. And let God know you and see you. And we're going to say a prayer. And you're going to be reconciled to God today because of what Jesus has done. If you say you're speaking to me, I'm going to count to three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Put your hand on your chest where you are. God bless you. If you're doing that, God bless you. It's a miracle happening in your life right now. Whether you're in this building or you're online, God sees you. He sees your choice of him this morning. God bless you. Thank you for your sincerity. God bless you. Now, this is a family, not a crowd. I'm going to ask everybody to join in. We're going to say prayer together. Um, and if your hand is on your chest, know that God sees you and he hears your voice this morning and that you're being reconciled to your father today. Can we all say together, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's the Savior of the world. Say, today I confess Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Say, please forgive me of the past. Give me a whole new start. Say, I'm a child of God today. I will live for you. I'll stand for you. Say, please fill me with your grace. Fill me with your spirit and I will never be the same. Now say one day I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Congratulations to everybody.
who prayed that prayer this morning to put their faith in Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you prayed that prayer at the end, we're so excited about your decision for Jesus. And we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you're listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.